I'm going to read to you something that you've heard a thousand times, and it's everywhere. And I want you to try to hear it as if it's coming for the first time, and then I'm going to ask you an important question. Okay? All right. Let's go to it. In fact, would you please stand at the reading of God's word? This is just a reminder to our bodies that God is our authority, his word is our guide, and that he has um, all the prominence in the world. Let's read this together. You've read this a bunch of times before, right? Let's read this together. One, two, three. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This ends the reading of God's word. Please have a seat. So, here's my question. When you get stressed, when you get upset, when you get ticked off, when you get triggered, when you get worked up, what do you do to calm yourself down? What do you, where do you go to calm yourself down? I was uh, talking to someone, uh, I had two people in my office, and, and one of them, who, who will remain nameless, um, one of them said, the thing that I run to makes me fat. The thing that I run to makes me fat. Isn't that a, isn't that a good phrase? Like, there's, there's something that I run to when I get stressed or depressed or triggered or upset. What do you run to? Think about it, really. Let's not gloss, let's not run too fast. What do you run to? For some of us, it's, it's food, isn't it? That's the thing that we run to, and it's easy to see. For others of us, it's alcohol, and we're not using alcohol, but when we're stressed, we think about how good the alcohol would be right now because it's the thing we run to. For others of us, it's sex or pornography. When we're stressed, we run to that. When we feel lonely, we run to that. When we feel insecure, we run to that. When we feel like we don't have what we need, we run to that. What is it that you run to 
Because every one of us has something that they run to. Every one of us. When you feel lonely, when you feel afraid, when you... I think for me, rage is one. Lust is another. What about you, though? What's the thing that you run to? Because if God knows that we all have... Do you have the thing in your mind? Do you have it? Think about it if you don't. Do you have it? That thing that you run to when you're stressed, upset, depressed, angry, lonely, afraid, scared. That thing that you run to when you have unhappy or uncomfortable feelings. You know what we're going to call that? We're going to call that your savior. That's the thing that saves you from whatever, whatever uncomfortable feeling, whatever uncomfortable experience, whatever uncomfortable idea that you're having. That's your savior. And all of us have experienced when our savior has not saved. When our savior has only brought us to greater trouble. I've been in pastoral ministry for almost 20 years. I've been the senior pastor of this church for almost 20 years. I've been in ministry for about 25. It's, I've seen it all. I mean, like, people who, like, you know what? I feel lonely in my marriage. And so then they find somebody who's going to make them happy, who's going to be their savior. And then a few years later, they're unhappy in that marriage, too. This food is going to uh, calm me or bring me joy. And then all the complications that come with eating poorly. Some of us, it's just a simple cigarette, right? Until the doctor goes, oh yeah, keep smoking now. Because now you have cancer, and, right? For all of us, we have this thing that we run to. It's a savior that we run to. And every one of us, has a savior that does not save. God knows this about us. He knows that you're going to be tempted to have a savior that does not save. So you know what God gives? This is awesome. You ready for it? God gives Christmas. He gives Christmas so that we might know that we have a savior that saves in fact, today, um, the thing that I want to impress upon you the most, the thing that I think our scriptures are going to speak to, is this idea that the saviors you seek are not the saviors that save. The saviors you seek are not the saviors that save. I know, I know, I know. If you just bought that extra pair of shoes, you would feel better about the circumstances that you're in. But I'm telling you, they don't save. I know, I know. If you just went in that direction where... If you just raged out, if you just ate over ate, if you just had more haagen if you just had a drink, if you just took a toke, if you just had one spike, if you just did the one thing. Listen to me. There are the saviors that we seek are not the saviors that save. 
And so God gives us Christmas. God knows that we are going to seek after saviors that don't save. And so what God does is he sends a savior that saves. Because while the saviors you seek are not the saviors that save, there is a savior who comes to seek and save. There is a savior that comes to seek and save. So here's the thing. You're not looking for Jesus. Jesus is looking for you. You're not pursuing Jesus. Listen, who needs Jesus, right? You got your saviors. But what I want to convince you of, and I'm going to try to convince you of, and I'm going to try to point you to, is that those saviors will only leave you more empty than you were before. Those saviors will only leave you more hurt than you were before. Those saviors will only leave you more depressed than you were before. I don't know about you, but I've gone to saviors and only felt worse after having gone to them. So whether your savior is a shoe habit or a drug habit, or maybe, maybe your savior is just like working really hard and you go, oh no, I'm providing for my family. No, you're not. You're trying to find, you're trying to find your identity in your work. No. Your identity is to be found in Christ. Now, if you're far, if you, if you don't know Jesus or you don't, you don't say, no, Jesus is not my Lord. You just came because somebody invited you. It's kind of Christmas time, so you came. I'm super glad that you're here. This is really important for all of us to listen to, even if we have no faith in God at all, because we get to see what Christians think and how they respond. And perhaps one day, if you ever decide to come to Christ or if you ever allow God to be your Lord and Savior, you can recognize, oh, it's these other things that I've been running to to be my Messiah. These other things that I've been running to, all of us have them. But this is not just an issue for those who don't know Jesus or who, who would say, no, I'm not, I don't worship like you do. This is an issue for Christians. Did you know that Christians have saviors that are not Jesus? It's, it's absurd, isn't it? And yet, right now, right now, you're running to a savior that's not going to save you. But thank God there's one who comes to seek and to save. So we look at this text, and, and as we think about that as the backdrop that we are pursuing, that we ourselves are seeking for saviors that don't save, but there is a savior who comes to seek and to save. As we think about that, I want you to think about the first Christmas. The first Christmas where shepherds are out in the field. And you know what they did yesterday? They stood out in the field, they watched the flock, and they went about their evening. And you know what happened to them uh, the next day? They stood out on the field. And it's just, this is not a super exciting job. It's just, make sure that nobody eats the sheep. No, this is just... Nobody steals the sheep. Nobody, like, just make sure. These shepherds are out doing life as they've always done it. They're living, they're breathing, they're working, they're eating. They're just living their lives until Christmas breaks through and something powerful happens. It says here in verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, Keeping watch. Nearby, nearby what? Well, Mary had just had Jesus. Could you imagine that moment? 
And so heaven sees this and can't stay quiet. Have you ever seen something so awesome that you just can't stay quiet about it? I've, I've experienced that over and over, especially with my kids and especially when they um, try something new, right? You know, they just, they, they try something like, oh man, you gotta try this. You can't just stay quiet about it. Heaven evidently can't stay quiet about this. They can't shut up about the awesome thing that has just happened. That's what happened nearby. Keeping watch over their flocks at night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Yeah, I bet. I don't know about you, but if you're ever, have you ever like, um, like just walked and even a, a light startled you? Could you imagine a heavenly host, an angel, just like you're going about your day, you're driving, it would be utterly shocking. They were terrified. This, and, and let's just pause here for a second. Sometimes when heaven breaks through, it's a scary thing, right? Because when heaven comes through, when Christmas comes, one of the messages are this, you are not the boss. And that's a tough message to receive. It's a hard message to receive. Because and it's a new message to receive because as far as I know, I'm the boss. As far as I know, I'm the shot caller. In my life, I'm the boss. Heaven, no, no, no. When heaven breaks through, when Christmas comes, it's terrifying because we find out, oh no, I'm not the boss. That's one, at least one thing, but let's keep going. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, and listen to this, do not be afraid. Why? No, wait, listen. How could I not be afraid? God is going to, God is here. And if God is, is real and he's here, he surely sees how broken and sinful I am. Of course I'm terrified about that. I don't know if you've ever been, this might be an extreme example, but if you've ever been before a judge, a judge who's, uh, who, who has already, or a jury who has already found you guilty, and now you're in front of the judge and you're waiting on the sentencing, that is a terrifying experience. See, beloved, God knows all that we've done. It's a scary experience. He says, do not be afraid. Because Why? Because I bring you good news. I'm bringing you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Good news. What's the good news? He's going to say. Today in the town of David, a Savior. Somebody say Savior. Savior. A Savior has been born to you. Now pause. This is important. Because a savior just hasn't been born. A savior has been born to you. This savior hasn't been born just for the elite, just for those who have it all together, just for those who uh, have, uh, are morally right and morally good. And a savior has been born not just to those who have uh, took care of the kids, but those who have abandoned their kids. Not just to those who have... Uh, um, 
looked after their families, but those who have walked away from their families. Not to just those who have, have lived a clean life, but those who have lived a dirty life. You see, a savior has been born. Listen, listen. My cutter's in the room. A savior has been born to you. My bulimics, a savior has been born to you. My alcoholics, a savior has been born to you. My adulterers and thieves, murderers and robbers, a savior has been born to you. And good news, those of you who think you're good, a savior has been born to you. Because we all need a savior. Now here's the important thing. We don't just need, our problem is this. We think we need uh, a counselor. Someone who could give us good advice for the issues of life. And so we use God as a counselor. And that's good. Or we think that we need God as a, a helper. You know what? I'm like 99% good. I just need God for the last percent. You know, for the, the areas in my life that I really, you know, I'm, I'm sort of like 99% good, but I just need that one extra percent. We don't need a helper. We need a savior. An idea, of, an illustration of the kind of savior we need is um, I used to live in the Rockaways, right? Um, and in the Rockaways, every year somebody died. I never remembered a year that I was there that I didn't hear about somebody dying. And evidently in the Rockaways, the, um, in the beach, that's what I mean. Um, uh, what is it called? An undercurrent? An undertow? Or something like that? Right. So yeah, right. It just, whew, it sucks you in, and it can suck you in for 50, 100, it could suck you in, and they don't find your body. It's like that. Like it keeps you under the water forever, and like people have drowned like that. Well, if that happened and you were in, uh, and let's say you were a good swimmer, you paid all your taxes, right? You're that kind of swimmer. You were faithful to your wife. You're that kind of a swimmer. You were good to your kids. You showed up to all the t-ball games and the basketball games. You're that kind of swimmer. But now you recognize that all the swimming in the world is not going to save you from this undertow. And so... It drags you under, and now you're screaming, you're gasping. You maybe come up for air for a second just enough to yell, help. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. What you don't need at that moment is encouragement. You don't need esteem. You don't need, you can do this. Come on, paddle a little harder. You don't need that. What you need in that moment is a lifeguard, someone who will save your life. Now, what's interesting about lifeguards, I had a friend who was a lifeguard at one time. Um, and he, was a real, he was a really exceptional swimmer. And he said that part of learning to be a lifeguard was learning underwater uh, defense tactics. Did you know that there was underwater defense that you can actually fight underwater? And I was like, why on earth would you ever have to, like, you're a lifeguard. You're supposed to save people, not, not fight them. He goes, because if they grab me, I have to know particular moves because so, they'll kill, the, we'll, we'll both die. And so he literally, literally, when people are, like, violent and they try to grab, he literally was trained 
to do this like move and kick off of them and then wait. And then wait until they passed out. And then grab them in this particular way and then swim them to shore. Now, what I just described in, to you in this lifeguard scenario is how God saved you. Now you understand better how God had to save you, right? You were fighting and doing all this nonsense and just trying to think that you could do it your way and save yourself, and then you died. And Jesus, and Jesus brought your dead life, your dead body back to life. He brought you from the edge. You see, a savior has been born to you, not a helper, not a, not, not, not a I shouldn't use the word counselor because he is a counselor, but, and he is a helper as well, but you, you see what I'm saying here? It's not that you need just a little bit more help. It's, listen, my heart doesn't need to get a little bit better. It's that my heart is of stone, and I need him to turn my stone heart to flesh. A savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes lying in a manger. How is this a sign? Why is this a sign? This is a sign. This is a sign because they're lowly shepherds. This is not a baby born in a palace. This is a baby born in a manger. This is a baby born in a smelly barn. You see, it's been born, the Savior has been born to you. And then suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared uh, with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. You see, the Savior who is born is the Savior who brings shalom, is the Savior that brings peace. Now, this is super important because there was a reigning ruler at that time. His name was Caesar Augustus. And you know what they called him? The one who brought peace. You see, Luke knows this. See, you have a, you have a, a, a king peace that brings no peace. In fact, this king will bring death in just a minute. This king will send people to kill everybody under the age of two. When in, in about two years, in about two years, the magi are going to show up. The wise men are going to show up. You know how like all your um, nativity scenes have the magi there while Jesus was born? Not true. Not true. Is that offensive? Hope not. It's not true. They didn't show up till a long time later. And so... Two years later, this very same guy will order the deaths of children. He is not the prince of peace. He is a fake prince, a fake peace giver. Jesus is the prince of peace. He's the one who doesn't just bring peace like absence from war or absence from uh, strife, but he brings peace like the presence of joy and the presence of rest and the presence of satisfaction, and you have been pursuing your dreams and your goals, and you've been pursuing your aspirations and things, and thinking that if you just got that, then you'll be happy. The singles here think, if you just got married, 
then you'll be happy. If you just, and if you're homeless, if you just had a house, then you'll be happy. And then you think, if you just got, you know, those of us who are married and are in a tough marriage, if we just got divorced, then we'll be happy. Or if we just, the kids got older, if we just had more money, or if we just had, and I'm telling you, these are false princes of peace. They don't bring peace. They don't give joy. But there is one. God knows that your heart longs for it, and he knows that my heart longs for it. And he says, I will bring you peace. I will bring you joy. And so he comes himself. And he gives you peace and joy. Why? Because the saviors you seek are not the saviors that save. But there is a savior who's come to seek and to save you. So, this is the Christmas gift. Now the question is, have you received this gift? Now, before you answer too quickly, it is possible, I know this has happened, um, I, I, I've had this happen several times where somebody um, gives me like an envelope with like a check in it, and then I put it in like my Bible, or I put it in my school, in my, uh, I was going to say school bag, in, in my backpack, um, and then I don't, it's there, and I don't use it, and then, like, has this ever happened to you, where you've either gone into your pockets, and then you go, it's like my birthday, right, it's like such a joy, it's like, I can't believe it, I could use this now, okay, okay, That's how many of us are living our Christian lives. We have this incredible gift of a savior who saves and we live like atheists. We live like people, like, you know why you're so worried? Because you're living like an atheist. You're you're so worried because the only thing that can save is something other than Jesus. Your ability, your your, uh, skill, your intellect, what you can think of. Beloved, beloved. I remember I had a pastor tell me this. Edwin, why pray when you can worry? Why pray when you can worry? That's how most of us live our lives. Why pray when I can worry? Here's a thought. Coming to your Savior going, God, I don't have the answer for this. I don't know how to salute, have the solution for this. I don't, Lord, would you save me? Lord, I have a longing, a desire to be with someone. Would you save me? Lord, the resources that I get from this particular job, they're not enough resources. Could you open doors so that I could either get better training or, or, or find a new place to work that would better provide for this family. But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to do anything illegal and I'm not going to go in any direction. Just this week, I had a situation where, um, you know, the, uh, where there's, this, there's an issue with my house. And someone came and said, I know how you can get the insurance to pay for it. All you have to do is do this deceptive thing. That's, that's like, no. I mean, I could do that, but then that would be me saving myself. I, I have a better savior. And, there, and, and, and we can run to him. And so, beloved, have a savior. There's a savior that you can run to. So don't just receive him as savior and not experience him as savior. Experience him as savior. Experience him as savior when you look in the mirror 
And you've been so poisoned by what beauty is, and you go, you're ugly, you're disgusting. And so you start eating like crazy, and then you start vomiting. Or when you're in that moment where you feel so much pain, the only way you can relieve yourself is by cutting yourself, by feeling something else. Or when you're consumed with work and your spouse is telling you, come on, I want to spend time with you. No, 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 I'm really doing this for you and the kids. No, you're not. No, you're not. There's a Savior that saves, and the saviors that you run to are not the ones that save. So what if we started to do that? What if in every circumstance, every problem, every marital fight, every problem with the kids, every time we didn't have what we thought was enough, what if we stopped running to other saviors? What if we stopped clicking on? What if we stopped purchasing things we can't afford? What if we stopped acting like our identity is going to be found somewhere out there and just said, God, I need saving from my anger right now? What if, what if, God, you are the one who brings shalom. Would you remind me that even in this moment where I feel like nothing is stable, would you remind me that you are stable? I go through, I go through unstable moments and I need to be reminded that he is stable when I'm not stable. I go through moments where I'm afraid You know, I had many traumas happen to me as a child, one of which is that I was completely and utterly abandoned by my family. I was left in a house with a stranger for a woman. Turned out she was my aunt. I didn't know. It was the first time I met her. And I was a little guy. And so you know that I carry that with me even now? That even now, there'll be bouts of emotion that come up that say, oh, my wife's going to leave me. She's going to cheat on me. Now, my wife is like faithful as the day is long. Like, that's never going to happen. It's just, but that, no, but it comes up like it's true. Have you ever, have you ever believed a lie? No, it comes up like it's true. Like, like if, she, if I had the videotape of her doing it, I couldn't feel any more pain than I feel in those moments. Like, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, it's a very real thing. And in those moments, I have, I have fallen to be my own savior. And I said, oh, I start interrogating. I start looking at phones. I start, and and what, you know why? Because I'm trying to save myself. What if in those moments when all of my insecurities are raging and all of my fears are present, what if in that moment, oh God, the the whole world could abandon me, but you'll never abandon me. God reminded me of that just recently. There's this uh, scripture, um, and it says this. Um, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And the thing that came up, remember how I tell you when you see a scripture, if there's a phrase that pops out? That's a, well, I was going through that, and, and I, in my time of silence... You know what I was doing, right? The devil was sending me HD, like 4K, full color videos of what was happening and things that my wife wasn't doing. But have you ever experienced that? Some of you have. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And it started to just come. I was like, oh, wait. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Listen, 
God will never abandon me. And he will save me even from this torment that Satan is putting in my head. You think he only does that for pastors? You think he can do it for the person sitting in your seat? I think he will. I think he will. But let's not run to other saviors. Let's not run to other saviors. Let's not run to other... Let's not run. Let's not run to to other saviors that don't save because the saviors you seek are not the saviors that save but there is a savior who's come to seek and to save so tomorrow you know what this looks like your boss says uh, 20% of the workforce uh, is going to be um, it's going to get a pink slip before the end of the year and you have this terrible fear that it's going to be you and you go and you go, Lord, if I keep this thing or if I lose this thing, this thing is not my security. It's you. What if, what if our Savior is the one we run to rather than the saviors that don't save? What, what would happen if your wife or your husband would just yell at you in ways that you do not deserve? And you go, I know how to save myself. I will raise the volume. I will, oh, this tongue is like a sword. I will cut them to pieces. I know what to do. And you go, no, no, no. I am not going to save myself, and I am not going to enter the, I am going to, God, would you, Lord, they are acting like they don't love me. Would you remind me that you love me? They are acting like they're judging me. Would you remind me that I've already been judged in Christ and because now I am in Christ, I can walk in the joy and the satisfaction because remember, he's bringing good news and it's good news for you in every moment of life. And, and what, if, what if tomorrow the bills come in and you're like, I, how on earth am I going to pay this? And you go, God, Lord, whether you provide the resources or I become homeless, you are going to be with me and you're going to provide for me my daily bread. I can trust you. And Lord, if you want to give me an idea to go in the right direction, I'm all ears, but I want you to know that I trust you. Because you're my savior. He's your savior. He's your marriage's savior. He's your kid's savior. He's your, he's your body image's savior. He's, he's, your, he's your sexual identity savior. He's your gender savior. He's your financial savior. He's your savior in every possible conceivable way so this Christmas we're gonna run to the Savior now let me tell you something that we don't have time to get to these guys after this they go and see Jesus and then they go and they can't stop talking about it another group of people who can't shut up about all they've witnessed can I just there are people in your life. And you know the saviors that they're running to. 
They're running to that girl, that thing, that car, that whatever. Just things that make them feel better about themselves. They're running to that thing. Right? You know who they are. They need a real savior. And you can come up to them and say, I'm just like you. I'm running to saviors that don't save. Would you join me in walking to a savior that does save? You can invite them to And there's a hundred ways you can do this. Number one, you can do this on your own. You don't need me to do this. You don't need the service to do this. You can do this on your own. You can say, I am a person who's been looking for a savior that doesn't save just like you. But there is one savior who does save. And he's come to save us both. You can do that on your own. You don't need me for that. However, it's not a bad idea if you do that and just go, hey, let's start worshiping God together. And I'm telling you, if you ask 10 people in New York to come with you to a Sunday service, I'm telling you, seven of them are going to say yes. Because it's like the Christmas service. It's like, if they don't come, you can question their Americanness. <laughs> You're not a real American if you don't go to a... Se- like, if you miss Sunday service, like everybody, it's like not watching the Super Bowl. Like, everybody does that. It's like the American thing to do. And so, you have, listen to me. I don't have the power to do that. I don't have the relationship that you have with them. But you do. And so you can ask friends. You can ask people that you make meetings with. You can ask, not during the meeting. You're going to respect the traditions. But right after the meeting or just before the meeting, you can do that. You can ask, you can ask the guy at the bodega. I, I've been asking this woman that I have uh, I, I eat at her restaurant. And I've been asking her to come to service. And we've gone as far as her literally Um, having no interest to now she plays Christian music at her restaurant, at least when I'm there. (laughs) That's a step in the right direction. I don't care what you say. But you know what I'm going to do? I'll probably be meeting in her restaurant for breakfast with someone this week, and guess what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go, hey, Carmen, come on. Just, Just come, listen. Oh, no, it's so busy. Oh, this restaurant won't die if you just show up for an hour and a half. I do it. I'm going to have a person cut my hair. And what am I going to do while they're cutting my hair? I'm just going to invite them. And I've already invited her a bunch of times after years of developing relationship with her. But listen to me. You can do that. You know why? If an angel came to the shepherds and a pastor is coming to you, then you can go to them. You get what I'm saying here? And there's, they're not going to be able to hear it if if you don't share it with them. Does that make sense? All right. So I look forward to, you. do you have a person that you're going to ask? Do you have them in mind? Okay. Those of you who don't know Jesus, here's good news. Give your heart to Jesus right now. It's as easy as A, B, C. It's as easy as A. Admit. Admit that you've messed up, that you're a sinner. It's an old, ugly word, but it's true. You might say things like, well, at least everybody's not perfect. No one's perfect. Yeah, 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 but we're talking about you. And so, A, admit. Admit that I'm a sinner. B, believe. Believe that Jesus came for you and that he took the punishment that you and I deserve and that there's nothing that we've done that's so bad that he can't atone for. And so you and I get the, uh, deserve the guilty verdict and the punishment Jesus takes on both. 
Believe that he also gives you his righteousness as a result. And then A, admit. B, believe. C, commit your body to him. Say, Jesus, my thoughts, my bodies, my intentions, my future, all of me is for you. Do that. What are you waiting for? Now, if you'd like to do that now, as a way of like proclaiming to the world, in about 30 seconds, I'm going to ask you to stand if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. A, admit, admit that you're a sinner. No, no excuses, just I've messed up. B, believe that Christ has died. C, commit your body to him. Now, if you've already done this before, you don't have to stand up. You, you just, or you go, but yeah, but I feel far from God. Okay, yeah, well, just, just ask God. Hey, God, help me to open the gift that you've already given, right? That's cool. But if you've never, never had a moment where you said, God, you're the boss of my life. I'm no longer the boss of my life. If you've never had that moment where you said, okay, yeah, I'm messed up. You save my body. My life is yours. If you've never had that moment, you can have that moment now. And it might be none of us. We might all be saved here. It's cool. Or, or you might, I don't know what your situation is, but don't. And, and everything in you is going to go, no, this is embarrassing, don't, whatever. Don't let it be. We all, all need a savior. Every one of us is drowning in the middle of the ocean. And no amount of swim, swimming is going to save us.